1: Good morning and welcome to the SunOpta Second Quarter Physical 2020 Earnings Conference Call. By now everyone should have access to the earnings press release that was issued this morning and is available on the Investors Relations page on SunOpta's website at www.sunopta.com. This call is being webcast and its transcription will also be available on the company's website. As a reminder, please note that the prepared remarks which will follow containing Forward-looking statements and management may make additional forward-looking statements in response to your questions. These statements do not guarantee future performance, and therefore undue reliance should not be placed upon them. We refer you all to ask factors contained in San Optus Press release issued this morning. The company's annual report filed on form 10K and other filings with the securities and exchange. Commission for a more detailed discussion of the factors that could cause actual results to defer, materially more details, materially from those projections and forward-looking statements. The company undertakes no obligation to publicly correct or update forward-looking statements made during the presentation to reflect future events or circumstances, as may required under, except as may required under applicable security laws. Finally, we should like to remain listeners that the company may refer to certain non-GAAP financial measures during the teleconference, and a reconciliation of these non-GAAP financial measures were included in the company's press release issue earlier today. Also, please note that unless otherwise stated, all figures discussed today are in U.S. dollars and are occasionally rounded to the nearest million. And now I would like to turn the conference over to the CEO John Ennis.
2: Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. With me on the call is Scott Huckins, our Chief Financial Officer. Before we begin unpacking the Q2 results, there are three key takeaways that I would like to offer. First is that our prioritized investments in plant-based food and beverages is paying dividends. We are playing offense. We are winning and we expect to continue to win as we strengthen an already strong position. Second, our focus on operational execution is improving gross margins and creating capacity in our manufacturing facilities. Lastly, we are optimistic about our future ability to deliver consistent above average EBITDA growth. The second quarter was another strong quarter for Synopta reflecting excellent execution across the board with 6% revenue growth, 45% gross profit growth, and 103% growth in adjusted EBITDA compared to prior year. I can confidently report that our turnaround efforts have taken hold, and we are seeing the output of these efforts in the overall results and consistency of those results. I am proud to say that for the third consecutive quarter, we doubled adjusted EBITDA on a year-over-year basis and generated 6.1% revenue growth despite the challenges related to COVID-19. Each of the three operating segments produced revenue growth in the second quarter, led by our plant-based business unit, which grew 9.6% on an adjusted basis. Additionally, we improved overall gross profit margin to 12.8% For a gain of 350 basis points. All three operating segments saw improvements in gross margin. Adjusted EBITDA increased to 20.5 million from 10.1 million in the prior year. Encouragingly, we also generated positive operating cash flow during the quarter, despite the seasonal investments in working capital that are typical in the second quarter. Now, before we go further, Let me comment on COVID-19 and its impact on our business. Similar to nearly every business around the world, COVID-19 related issues and opportunities impacted much of our Q2 effort. Our manufacturing teams have done an amazing job keeping our production facilities operating, and we are incredibly proud that while we have had employees affected by COVID-19, there are no confirmed cases of community transmission at any of our locations. We have had some minor disruptions in our operations, but overall, we have managed this exceptionally well with employee safety being our top priority. While COVID-19 has created dramatic swings in individual customer orders, the aggregate impact on total revenue and total EBITDA was modestly negative. Scott will share a more detailed overview of the financial impact of COVID-19 in his section. We continue to make good progress with our capital projects, which are on time and on budget. These investments are principally focused in our plant-based BU and will further build on our strength in plant-based beverages. Our ruthless prioritization and focusing on our most promising and high return opportunities, while de-emphasizing lower margin, lower return on capital segments of our business, is positively impacting margins and cash flow. I am pleased with the progress against our core priorities within each of our business segments. The efforts are increasingly apparent in our financial results. Let me discuss each segment in greater detail. Our plant-based food and beverage business unit has been and will continue to be our top investment priority. This BU is composed of several product categories. The largest is our plant-based beverages with products such as soy, almond, and oat, plus our broth business. Second is ingredient extraction. It's an important emerging business where we convert plants into the concentrated bases for making plant-based food or beverages, such as oat milk. Lastly, the sunflower and roasted snacks business is also included in this segment. Our plant-based business unit is firing on all cylinders and once again exceeded our own internal forecast and is driving significant revenue and margin growth. Despite the impact of COVID-19, the diverse customer base we have built across the platform is demonstrating our ability to operate and drive strong financial performance in any environment. We have a robust business development pipeline to support growth in 2021 and beyond, and we are excited about our well-timed capacity expansion projects. During the second quarter, this segment delivered continued strong adjusted revenue growth of 9.6% and continued strong margin performance, despite the negative impact of COVID-19 on food service-related sales. The revenue growth was broad-based, driven by both plant-based beverage revenue and new broth business, partially offset by sales to a large food service customer who was impacted by COVID-19. However, with the coffee shops and restaurants, slowly reopening, we have seen steady improvements across this sales channel. It is impressive that the plant-based business delivered growth during an environment where there were significant negative impacts on our food service customers. This is a testament to the strength of the plant-based platform. Perhaps more impressive than the revenue growth was the margin expansion. In Q2, we delivered an 18.2% gross margin. An improvement of 340 basis points from prior year. This improvement is a result of great execution from our operation and supply chain teams. Driving our results is our strong execution, coupled with five underlying consumer drivers that are propelling this food movement. As a reminder of those five consumer factors, number one is sustainability. Plant-based products have a dramatically better environmental footprint than animal-based products, and consumers are increasingly converting their concern over climate change into purchasing choices. Second, animal welfare is a rising concern, especially among millennial and Gen Z consumers. Third is food allergies. Approximately 100 million Americans and 5 billion people globally are lactose intolerant. Fourth is taste preferences, as consumers discover the great taste of products like oat and almond milk. And fifth is health benefits, be it vegan, vegetarian, or just a focus on clean eating. To continue to capitalize on these trends, we remain on track with our capital project to expand our extraction capabilities and are progressing with the other two expansion projects to increase capacity and capabilities across our national footprint. We continue to expect all three of these projects to come online in the fourth quarter of this year, providing the capacity for significant future growth. We are particularly excited about the timing of our extraction capabilities, which expands our capacity fourfold to support the strong growth of oat milk, a category growing over 300%. When fully utilized, these three capital projects have the potential to provide hundred million dollars of additional revenue. Filling this capacity certainly does not happen overnight, but as I mentioned previously, I am pleased with our sales pipeline development. Our leadership in plant-based beverages, our broad capabilities and our strong positioning are driving significant new opportunities in this segment. Turning to fruit, the fruit-based business unit continued to deliver strong margin improvement and posted a 0.8% adjusted revenue increase in the second quarter, driven by new distribution of fruit snacks and retail channel frozen sales, offsetting the impact of food service sales decline due to COVID-19. Frozen fruit continues to benefit from our pricing and margin enhancement initiatives. Gross margin expanded 350 basis points year over year continuing recent improvements. Once again, our fruit operations team has done a great job managing COVID impacts and delivering on our productivity plan. Our plan to improve the margin profile of our frozen fruit segment is progressing and our results are tracking in line with the expectations we have discussed over the last year. I can share that our productivity investments are ahead of our expectations and are incrementally evident in our quarterly margin progression. As evidence of these efforts and our capital investments, it's impressive to note that we are now running our facilities with 40% fewer seasonal workers versus 2018, while maintaining our capacity and processing capabilities. As we discussed last quarter, we entered this year's harvest with very lean inventory position, and we are well into the California harvest. The freezer harvest this year is coming in lower than we expected, COVID-19 has produced a change in consumer purchasing pattern, and the retail demand for fresh strawberries is significantly higher than normal. This demand is incenting growers to keep harvesting for fresh versus switching over to freezer. Our estimate is that the season will come in 15 to 20% below historical norms. Strong fresh demand combined with last year's shortfall has had inflationary pressures on the prices we are paying for fruit. While the harvest is not what we had hoped for, the efforts we undertook in 2019 to reduce volatility and exposure to California have paid dividends. Our stepped-up grower relations efforts have enabled us to procure a much higher market share of the available fruit compared to what we were able to procure in 2019. Our automation efforts generated significantly higher yields, higher throughput, And allowed us to operate with significantly fewer seasonal workers our efforts to move customers to pass through pricing is helping them and us and we estimate roughly 30 percent of the business is now operating on this formula lastly our efforts to build a supply network outside of california will also help us offset some of the california supply shortfall we are confident in our long-term fruit optimization plan and continue to expect sequential improvements. While the news on the harvest may sound concerning, I would offer this point in time view that in 2021, the fruit business unit performance will likely look broadly similar to 2020 in terms of profitability. I will of course update this view as we learn more. I want to end on fruit by commenting on the recent launch of a branded fruit bar called Arbor. As I've said in the past, innovation, will be a core growth strategy, and we believe that having brands as a go-to-market option will allow us to launch more new products. Brands as a part of our strategy is something we will likely deploy in other areas as we seek to innovate, create markets, and propel growth. This in no way distracts from our core business of private label and co-manufacturing. In fact, it is our view that it will make us a more valued partner as we contribute to category growth, build expertise, bring innovation to the market, and raise consumer awareness. Finally, the global ingredient segment also delivered a strong second quarter with 6.9% adjusted revenue growth and a 300 basis point improvement in gross margin year over year, 160 points net of CX. The growth and gross margin improvement were driven by both the trodden organic ingredient business and our premium juice offerings. The margin improvement reflected increased pricing spread, higher margin product mix, and manufacturing efficiency. This, combined with a favorable commodity hedging result and higher sales pricing and lower bottling costs for premium juice products, drove margin improvement. I am pleased to say that we have made significant progress in our manufacturing facilities in our cocoa processing facility in Holland and our sunflower facility in Bulgaria. Developing manufacturing capabilities, in addition to our unique organic supply chain, is a powerful combination. Adding these value-added processing capabilities is another way that we are building on the differentiated position that Trodden enjoys in key segments. All these improvements set the stage for continued growth. Our strategy to focus on margin and the return on capital profile of our ingredient segment is now well underway and contributing to the improvement in margins and returns. In conclusion, I'm very pleased with our second quarter performance across all three of our operating segments. Our focus and improved execution has driven the success of our turnaround efforts which has transformed into an organization that has doubled EBITDA for three consecutive quarters. And candidly, I like our chances of making it four in a row. We believe the historical volatility in our quarter to quarter and year to year financial performance is behind us, and we are well positioned for both growth and further margin enhancement going forward. Compared to 18 months ago, we are executing at a much higher level and much more consistently. At the risk of being repetitive, I want to reiterate our bullishness on our plant-based food and beverage platform as the single most powerful driver of long-term growth. We are very confident with our strategy, our asset, and our segment positioning, and we are optimistic about our ability to drive growth and enhanced margins across each of our business platforms. Now, I will turn the call over to Scott to take us through the rest of the financials. Thank you very much, Joe, and good morning, everyone. Let me walk through gross profit and the rest of the income statement, given Joe's discussion of the commercial activities and revenue during the quarter. I will also cover our balance sheet and cash flow results. First, as Joe mentioned, we had another strong quarter with 6.1 percent revenue growth and doubled adjusted EBITDA year over year. We estimate the impact of COVID-19 on revenue was a negative $10 million. Gross profit was $39.7 million for the second quarter of 2020, an increase of $12.4 million, or 45%, compared to $27.3 million during the second quarter of 2019. Plant-based segment accounted for $4.6 million of the increase in gross profit, mainly reflecting revenue growth, plant productivity efforts, in higher capacity utilization, partially offset by wage premiums and higher cleaning costs attributable to COVID nineteen. Global ingredients contributed four point four million of improvement, primarily due to the increased pricing spreads for organic ingredients and premium juice products, productivity improvements in our factories, and a one point eight million dollar increase in commodity hedging results. The fruit based segment was responsible for $3.4 million of the gross profit improvement, including improved pricing efforts and a favorable mix of higher-margin retail versus food service sales, partially offset by lower sales volumes and plant utilization for fruit ingredients, together with wage premiums and higher cleaning costs attributable to COVID-19. We estimate that COVID-19 impacted gross profit By a negative $3 million in the quarter, including approximately $1 million of additional plant operating costs. As a percentage of revenues, second quarter gross margin was 12.8 percent compared to 9.3 percent last year, a 350 basis point increase. All segments contributed significantly to the gross margin expansion, with gross margin expanding 350 basis points in the fruit segment, 340 basis points in plant-based, and 300 basis points in global ingredients. It is worth mentioning that our global ingredients business delivered that margin expansion with almost 10 percent less inventory compared with last year. Operating income was 8.8 million, or 2.8 percent of revenues in the second quarter, compared to a loss of $2.5 million last year. SG&A was fairly consistent with last year's second quarter, with the savings initiatives being offset primarily with variable compensation expense. The COVID-19 impact on SG&A was approximately a benefit of $1 million, primarily due to lower travel costs. Loss attributable to common shareholders for the second quarter was $1.6 million, or 2 cents per diluted share, compared to a loss of 11.1 million, or 13 cents per diluted share during the second quarter of 2019. On an adjusted basis, loss was 1.4 million, or 2 cents per diluted share, compared to a loss of 9 million, or 10 cents per common share in the prior year. As Joe mentioned earlier, for the second quarter of 2020, adjusted EBITDA was 20.5 million, compared to $10.1 million in the prior year. The estimated COVID-19 impact on adjusted EBITDA was a negative $2 million. I'd like to remind listeners that adjusted EBITDA and adjusted earnings are non-GAAP measures, and a reconciliation of these measures to GAAP can be found toward the back of the press release issued earlier this morning. Turning to the balance sheet and cash flow, at June 27, 2020, Total debt was $448.9 million, down approximately $20 million from the first quarter and down $42 million from year-end 2019. Total debt reflects $219.1 million net of issuance costs of our second lien notes due in 2022, $202.3 million drawn on our global asset-based credit facility with a balance representing smaller credit facilities lease, and other financing arrangements. As many of you know, the debt capital markets have been very strong recently. We have begun the early stage work on refinancing our debt and would expect to be in a position to execute late this year. Our significant improvements in EBITDA to date and our expected continued improvements in EBITDA are a material asset in this process. In summary, we are confident in our refinancing opportunities. As most of you know, we raised 60 million of preferred stock commitments. We funded 30 million of that in April, and we let the remainder lapse, not tendering notice by July 15, 2020. From a cash flow perspective, during the quarter, cash generated by operating activities was 2.7 million compared to cash used of 31.7 million during the second quarter of 2019. The $34.4 million improvement reflects improved operating performance and continued working capital management. As a reminder, we generally see working capital investment increase during the second and third quarters based on seasonal inventory purchases, particularly in fruit. For the full year 2020, we continue to expect working capital to be relatively flat to 2019. Cash used in investing activities was $6.3 million compared with $12.9 million in the second quarter of 2019. The decrease in capital investment primarily relates to last year's $3 million acquisition of Sandmark and the use of leasing arrangements to support certain major capital projects. As Joe mentioned, we are confident in our near-term and long-term outlook, which will be led by the strength of our plant-based food and beverage business. While we don't give guidance and many companies are now refraining from doing so, at least in the short term, we do believe we have a good chance to double adjusted EBITDA once again in the third quarter. We are also on track with our fruit margin improvement targets, despite the COVID-19 demand-related higher pricing we are seeing in freezer fruit. With that, I'd ask the operator to please open up the call to questions.
1: At this time, if you would like to ask a question, simply press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star and the number one, and we'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q and A roster. Okay, we have a question from Brian Holland, D. D. H. Davidson and Company.
0: Thanks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, First question, I, I guess, on the on the strawberry side there, and, and some of the uh, dynamics that you broke down in the harvest. Uh, you know, you've obviously made considerable investments um, in automation and productivity, uh, as you said, what will help uh, pr- preserve some of the margin stability there. What do the pricing dynamics look like going forward? Will you need to take more pricing? How do you feel as far as being comfortable with doing so? I know you did uh, did that in 4Q. If you could just help us understand uh, what, what that uh, landscape looks
1: like.
2: Uh, yeah, good morning. So we are definitely in conversations with customers where we have the ability to adjust pricing and we'll be looking to uh, make those adjustments where we can you know, throughout the third and fourth quarter and into, uh, 2021.
0: Great. Thanks. And then, uh, it, I'm just curious, you know, the, the plant-based revenue came in well ahead of what I was forecasting. Uh, you know, maybe I was too conservative on the uh, food service pressures, um, or, or maybe just the, the retail demand was that much stronger. I, can you uh, can you provide any sort of sense of, of what the growth looked like on the retail side of the business for plant-based
2: beverages versus what you saw um, as far as headwinds on the food service side? So we saw very strong growth in both retail broth as well as retail plant-based beverages. And I would also say uh, maybe similar to, um, to your conservative estimates, uh, the recovery in food service was also uh, quicker than our expectations, especially as we look at it month to month sequentially through the quarter. Um, we saw a pretty significant uh, and speedy recovery. As we went from kind of April through May and into uh, into June. Great, thanks.
0: And then uh, you know, last one for me, and I'll, I'll pass it on. But you talked of, you talked a lot about barriers to entry within plant-based beverages. Um, you, you know, I think you talked about bringing. I quantified it at 100 million, I believe, in revenue capacity. You can uh, clarify if, if I'm wrong about that. But you know. W- Barriers to entry, you've talked about them being high, capital knowledge intensive, et cetera. Can you talk about some of the context? Can you provide some context around supply dynamics in the category today? What the bottlenecks look like upstream that that might limit some competitors' ability to ramp production? And and how much of the category is outsourcing manufacturing today? I'll, I'll leave it there. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So I would say there are several barriers to entry. None of them are, you know, complete obstacles, but certainly challenges. One is the technical nature of this product manufacturing in the spectrum of all food and beverage manufacturing. I would certainly peg this uh, on the more technical side. And so that represents a barrier uh, because you have to be technically competent to efficiently and effectively run an aseptic operation. Uh, second is uh, much of the capital associated with Uh, This platform is long lead items, so it's not something you can just pick up off the shelf uh, and drop into a manufacturing facility. You're talking 12-plus months um, in order to order capital, get it installed, and get it operating, as you saw from our uh, projects. Um, And and so those are kind of two fundamental, you know, sort of long-term, not necessarily barriers to entry, but just obstacles Uh, for a quick resolution of the supply and demand imbalance that we see. Uh, Relative to your question about what percentage of people uh, outsource or use co-manufacturing, I'm not quite sure I can answer that question, um, you know, because we don't have visibility into every single um, competitor in the marketplace and whether they're self-manufacturing or using uh, a third-party co-packer. it's a good question. No, fair enough. appreciate the color. Best of luck, gentlemen. Thank you.
1: Okay. Next question comes from John Anderson with William Blair.
2: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, John. Um, I wanted to uh, start by asking um, a question around fruit. Um, you mentioned that the margin optimization program is is, is on track and um, seems impressive that given the some of the availability and pricing uh, dynamic this year that you're able to deliver the kind of margin improvement that you were hoping for. Um, as we look to the balance of the year, I think that oh, the original communication was that. Fruit margins could get back towards a 10% level. I think I may be wrong on that. Correct me if I'm wrong. But are we are we moving? Uh, are we still on track towards, say, exiting the year at about 10% gross margin rate? You know, in fruit. Um, you are correct. That is what we have communicated, and you're also correct that um, we we remain. Uh, in the view that we we can exit the year, um, you know, near that double digit mark. Okay, and then um, follow on that. I think um, Joe, you you might have mentioned that um, you you made a comment that 20, 2021 margins and fruit may look like margins in 2020. I guess I just wanted to get some clarification on that because I would assume with the sequential progression you've seen in 2020 in fruit and maybe a more normal year next year, that profit would be up in that business in 2021, not necessarily flat to 2020. Yeah, so a couple comments, and I and I think Scott can add some color as well. The the first piece is, you know, we are not going to try to forecast what the crop is going to look like in twenty twenty one. You know, we can only comment on, call it, you know, what's in our purview in front of us, and and so we feel, um, you know, not necessarily gross margin percentage. What I said was overall profitability. So think of that as a as a dollar component. Um, and really what we're trying to suggest there, John, is that while the crop um, is not coming in as we would expect, um, that, you know, we shouldn't expect a material erosion uh, in the profitability of our, of our fruit business. Uh, obviously, to talk about margin or margin percentage, we would need to know where revenue is coming, and that's, a, you know, an evolving piece as we work with customers on pricing. Um, But certainly, you know, want to send the clear signal that that while the harvest isn't where we would want it to be, that we have the situation under control. Okay. Anything to add? Yeah. Hey, John. I'd say um, if Joe Joe has the themes correctly, I think that the point is between, you know, productivity improvements in the segment, we're benefiting from uh, the comparatively, you know, weak pace. So it's down 15 to 20 percent. Year over year, year will call we do have a, a fairly good-sized processing facility in Mexico. And then three, Joe comment on our ability to pass through, you know, some of the increased price. You know, we think that that keeps us largely on track for the second half of 20. But much like a year ago, we'll have a little bit of a, probably a very similar kind of negative carry into the to the uh, first half of 2021. Therefore, leaving us probably flat-ish in terms of profit for uh, for 2021. But impressive that you know we're making the significant progress we're making this year in margins uh, despite not getting a, a lot of help from the um, from the uh, from the harvest itself um, shifting gears to um, to the uh, plant-based food and beverage business um, you know there this new capacity sounds super exciting because, it sounds to me like you're, you're enhancing your capacity and, and some of the legacy lines, uh, plant-based beverage broth, but then you're bringing this new capability on to, to, to uh, do extraction and, and supply, uh, I guess, other manufacturers with um, components that they need to produce, um, you know, their branded, you know, oat-based beverages, for example. So the, the hundred million dollar opportunity that you talked about how how um, far off is that how, how do you think about that because right th- that may be the market opportunity but you have to build a pipeline right you have to convert you know that business into commercial uh, commercial or in- market business so so how should we be thinking about your ability to go and get that hundred million once the capacity is in place yeah so two comments uh, number one is we're very pleased with uh, our sales Pipeline efforts to date, and um, you know, feel good about our our ability to start up those lines and have new business uh, flowing against those new capabilities. Um, To your second question, you know, we've set ourselves a goal to have those new capabilities um, kind of fully utilized uh, in 24 months. So call it by Q4 of 2022, uh, that we would be full, fully utilized rolling into 2023. Terrific. And, and uh, you know, obviously that could go faster if, you know, the sales pipeline uh, efforts, you know, accelerate faster than we thought. But that that is at least, at the moment, the goal that we have set for ourselves is 24 months to full utilization. Great. Um, and then you've had terrific performance here to date in, in the global ingredient business, particularly the, the margin improvement you've seen there. Is that a function of just better, um, you know, operating the, the Crown of Holland plant, you know, more effectively, efficiently? Uh, are there other, you know, one or two other things maybe that you could shed some light on that's, that's leading to some of that Um that powerful margin expansion in that, in that segment. Um, yeah, there's a couple things. Uh, our juice business is operating um, very efficiently. We're seeing strong demand and that uh, demand and revenue is, is flowing through into, uh, into gross margin. So the premium juice business, um, you know, we talked a lot about our efforts to prioritize businesses where we've got supply chain advantage and or pricing advantage, and so there's a bit of a mix shift. If you think about that, um, is definitely helping us. Uh, and then the, the third piece is certainly the uh, output and efficiency of our manufacturing plants uh, within the global ingredients business is helping us lift uh, gross margin. The
3: uh,
2: last one for me, it it, it sounds like. Later this year, you know let's assume you know you have a strong third quarter. it sounds like you think you can double EBITDA again in the third quarter. you have you know a TTM EBITDA level, which is significantly higher than you know the prior you know uh trailing twelve month puts you in a better position to you know address the the balance sheet um, what is your is your goal to, uh, as you think about what, what you're likely to be able to accomplish, is, it, is it, it extend maturities at comparable, you know, pricing or interest rates, or is it, you know, better pricing terms? Um, I'm just trying to get a sense of what you hope to accomplish there. Yeah, John, I guess it's uh, a couple of things. So you're, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, perspective. We, we entered uh, 2020, call it 10 times levered, you know, through 2Q, low sixes. So obviously that's what I was getting at in my earlier comments about, uh, you know, that's a formidable asset. And so as we continue to lift EBITDA, you know, that equation, you know, continues to improve. So I think, you know, job one is if you think through the two debt instruments, you know, the ABL matures in uh, in March of 22. So that's the first one up and then the second lien notes mature in October of 2022. So I think first priority really is is working on maturities. Um you know capital markets are are obviously fluid. So it's hard to call, you know, an exact interest rate sitting here, you know, in August, but I think I'd be focused in in priority order on maturity extension and you know hopefully with with a relatively A cohesive uh, set of capital market conditions, our improved performance will give us at least a chance to, to mitigate some of the existing interest rate levels. Great, thanks and congratulations on another strong quarter.
3: Thank you, John.
1: Okay, next question comes from Mark Smith from Lake Street Capital.
3: Me just wanted to see um, you guys quantified a fair amount of the COVID impact. I just want to run through those and make sure that we have those those numbers right. Was that a, a $10 million negative impact on on revenue? Three million negative gross profit, um, and two million negative on EBITDA. And if so, maybe just walk through a little bit of how much of that is spending on you know, taking care of employees, working on safety measures, versus how much is kind of outside of your con- control?
2: Yeah, so, uh, first of all, good morning. Um, you, your numbers are correct, and I think um, in my comments I said we had about $3 million of gross profit headwind, of which approximately a $1 was was, you know, premium pay and spend uh, in plants. And then $1 million of SGA benefit, you know, primarily lower travel costs, resulting in that net negative $2 million of EBITDA.
3: Okay. Perfect. And, and then just looking at the, the increased capacity in, in plant-based business, we talked about kind of long-term, um, you know, when, when that's more fully utilized. Can you talk more kind of short-term when we start to see those, those incremental ramps and, and benefits?
2: um you know as we you know we expect a, a strong fourth quarter uh, um you know our broth business continues to accelerate plant-based uh continues to you know post very strong results so w- with the added capacity we would certainly expect to have a very strong fourth quarter uh across the uh plant-based food and beverage platform um you know as it I think we'd probably be in a much better position to comment on that at the end of next quarter when, you know, you're closer to a sales pipeline. Um, You know, we're in discussions with customers uh, but don't have a specific kind of number or framed out outlook that we could share with you at this point, just given uh, the fluidity of capacity coming online and customer contracts under negotiation, et cetera. Uh, but again, you know, we are
3: pleased with our sales pipeline efforts to date. Okay, that's fair. Um, and, and then the last one for me, can you just talk a little bit about maybe the margin profile as you look at this new Arbor Bar business versus kind of your historical uh, bar business building for others?
2: Yeah, so this is, you know, part and parcel to our overall fruit snacks platform. Um, we... You know, we, again, in that category, um, you know, we think there's significant opportunity to drive uh, innovation. This product uh, is pretty unique in that it's organic uh, and has zero grams of added sugar, which if you're a consumer of that category at all, you would recognize how unique uh, that attribute is. So we're incredibly proud of of the product that we've built. Uh, just in terms of margin profile, you, you know, we would obviously see that from a kind of mid to long term uh, standpoint being margin accretive to the overall uh, fruit snacks platform.
3: Okay, great. Thank you.
1: Okay, and there are no more questions at this time.
3: Okay,
2: um, thank you, operator, and thank you to all of you for participating in our second quarter conference call. Look forward to speaking to you in the near future and appreciate your interest and support in Synopta. Have a great day.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You all may now disconnect.